The title of the sermon today is actually a question. Have you seen the face of God? In Genesis 32, 39, we're going through quite a few texts, but we'll stop at a few of them and read together. But um, And we'll let you know when we get to that point. Um, it was a story of, of uh, Jacob wrestling with the angel. And when he finally realized who he was actually wrestling with, uh, there in 32, 30, uh, in Genesis, he said, For I have seen the face of God, and my life is preserved. Uh, indeed he was. He was uh, wrestling with the, as the Bible says, the angel of the covenant, the archangel, which actually is Jesus Christ. Uh, a little later, uh, at the beginning of the book of Exodus, in chapter 3, you remember there was the burning bush, and it says, Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. But then as we move a little further into Exodus, particularly through the chapters 19 through 34, uh, we, uh, we learn about Moses' two trips to the top of Mount Sinai. And never before in history, since the fall, certainly, um, has anyone spent more time directly face-to-face with God. And since the Apostle Paul says Jesus was the rock, he was, he was the one of the Old Testament that, they, that the people of God dealt with. So um, Moses had the privilege of spending 80 days communicating directly uh, with God the Son. Of course, later, in his uh, human form, uh, the disciples had the privilege of spending three and a half years with him. Uh, But as we take now a look at Exodus uh, 32, again, another uh, part of that, and then verse uh, Exodus 33, very interesting description here. Um, And this was the story of the golden calf. And while Moses was up on the mountain the first time, the people were not following God and um, decided to have their own, I guess, Egyptian religious service, um, which got completely out of hand. And um, when when God says, you better go down, these people have, have corrupted themselves. And so uh, Moses goes down and, um, and in fact, uh, there in verse 30, I believe, of, of Exodus 32, um, in fact, if this is the verse I was uh, looking for, actually in verse 33, um, and earlier Moses is pleading with the Lord. He says, please forgive these people for this terrible sin. And... Um, and in fact, Moses then offers him to give up eternal life for his people. You talk about love, amazing love that Moses had for these um, difficult people <laughs> that he had to deal with. But nevertheless, he, uh, he loved them so greatly. And um, we find uh, finally um, in verse 30, uh, chapter 33, verse 11, and so... 
God comes down and talks with Moses and Aaron at the, at the meeting of the tabernacle. And the Lord says in verse 11, spoke with Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Um, and what an amazing privilege that was given. A little earlier uh, in these chapters, when um, Moses is pleading with, with God not to not to destroy the people. And you remember, the Lord said, now let me alone, let me alone, get out of my way now, so I can let my anger wax hot and I'll destroy these people for their wickedness. Moses was wide awake. He realized that God was saying as long as Moses was in the way, God wasn't going to destroy these people. And so Moses got right in the way and says, Lord, please, 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 what do you think the heathen are going to say? You couldn't get them all the way to the promised land? Brought him out of Egypt and couldn't get him to the promised land. What do you, you know? What about your reputation, Lord? And so, uh, at one point, uh, the Lord says to Moses, He said, "Well, these people who you took out of the land of Egypt, you take them on in, but I'm not going to go with you." And again, Moses is pleading with the Lord, "Please, please, please, go with us." And uh, so, again, there in verse eleven, where it describes Moses speaking. Our Lord speaking with Moses from face to face. And what a, a beautiful um, opportunity, event, and it happened after Moses' intercession. Then in chapter um, 34, verses 29 to 35, it describes how when Moses came back down the second time from receiving the Ten Commandments from God, he didn't realize it, but his face was shining with the glory of God, so much so that the people couldn't even look at him. He was like, I guess, brighter than the sun. So they had to put a veil over him uh, to to cover up uh, the brightness, indicating that that we are changed as we spend time with God. And then uh, in Numbers, if we go over to Numbers chapter 12, um, again, um, God intervening, um, and communicating with, with Moses and Miriam and Aaron, actually. And um, the first part of the chapter, first few verses. And um, we see here that um, it says, And Miriam Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Uh, in some of the translations, a uh, Cushite. But um, that would suggest perhaps, that she looked a little different than the Israelites. And so this racial discrimination thing must have started a long time ago because they got upset. Um, and then in verse 2, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? This, this, this other thing was just an excuse. It says, is, is the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken with us also? And the Lord heard it. So basically, they were saying, Moses, you're, you're just taking too much on yourself. Remember, that was exactly what Coradath and Abiram said. You just take too much on yourself. We're all holy. We're all holy, you know. Well, God didn't think so. And um, so it says in verse 3, Now Moses, the man, was humble. Now in the old King James, says he was meek. That doesn't mean he was a pushover. <laughs> Moses was one of the strongest characters that we know about in history, but he was humble. And um, 
And then verse 4, Suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the meeting of the tabernacle. Now, I've never had audibly hear the Lord tell me to come out and, and listen. <laughs> but I think I would do that if he said that. Because um, I think Moses, and particularly Aaron and, and Miriam, knew this was pretty serious. And so they came out, and the Lord came down on the pillar of the cloud and stood at the door of the tabernacle and talked with Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. And then God says, Now hear my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision. I will speak to him in a dream. But not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face. Even plainly, not in dark sayings, he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And so the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And we remember in the story, as the cloud left, suddenly Miriam became leprous. That was her, so apparently she was the instigator in this uh, problem, this rebellion. But the Lord moved very quickly to stop this rebellion, because he knew that if it continued... (laughs) Israel would lose their protection completely uh, if they continued in this rebellion. But we see in verse 11, uh, Aaron pleads with Moses, please do not lay this sin on us. And uh, so the Moses cried out to the Lord, and please heal her, O God, I pray. And uh, so she was put outside the camp for, for seven days. Um, but we see again the evidence of Moses' humility, even though indeed he had an enormous privilege of being the one who would speak face-to-face with, with God. Um, yet, even though his siblings were older than he was, and in the Middle East, and much of the rest of the world, older siblings tell the younger siblings what to do. That's just the way it is. And usually the older brothers and sisters are caring for the younger ones. So basically that's, that's, that's the way it works. And so they were the older siblings. And here this young upstart brother of theirs seemed to be getting, in their way of thinking, all the privileges. But God spoke up and um, reproved them seriously. And yet Moses in his humility and his graciousness immediately pleaded with the Lord to, to forgive them for, for what they had done, what they had said against him. In Second uh, Chronicles 6.42, Solomon says, O Lord, do not turn away the face of your anointed. So that would be the face of Jesus. Do not turn away the face of the Messiah from us. Ezekiel 14.16 a call to repentance. Turn away from your idols and turn your faces away from all your abominations. And David in the Psalms, twenty chapter 27, verse 9 says, um, Do not hide your face from me. And just before that, in the verse before that, he says, Lord, your face I will seek. All through the Bible we find this interesting call to come into this direct communion with God, with Jesus. Um, and it's, it speaks of it as face to face. 
And yet in Isaiah 53, uh, you remember the part of the prophecy which says that we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And as it describes in those verses, because he took on humanity, because he became the sin bearer, um, he, his sorrow and his hurt was so great that it seemed that even the ones closest to him were afraid to, to look at him. And in fact, we know at the, at the cross, uh, most of the disciples ended up running away, uh, except for John, who uh, stayed there uh, close at hand with his mother. Um, and how tragic it is when people choose to turn their face away from God. Have you ever noticed, even in our world, that if someone wants to insult you without saying a word, what do they do? They refuse to look at you. They look away. They look away. Um, I think I mentioned it one time on a health nugget, but I remember um, many years ago, and just getting started with the store with my son. It was very small at the time. And a lady came in with her husband who happened to be a doctor. And I could tell he really fell out of place. He really didn't want to be there in a health food store. And uh, not to say that there aren't doctors very interested, but he wasn't. And um, so uh, the wife mentioned to my son, Russell, he says, oh, my, my, my uh, husband is, is diabetic kind of saying, well, you know, do you, do you have some suggestions? And uh, Russell said, well, actually, we found that the trace mineral chromium is very, very helpful. Uh, it helps to balance those sugar levels, whether you're too high or too low. And they said right here, happened to have some literature about it right there on the, on the desk, on the checkout area. And this doctor immediately, who was right there where she was checking out, wheeled around lest he should look at something that was not FDA approved. Well, that's an illustration of somebody, you know, not being happy and certainly, whether intentionally or unintentionally, uh, offering an insult that didn't like what was happening. Daniel 9.17, Daniel is pleading with God to cause, he says, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary. And then Psalms 119, 135, again, uh, David pleading with God, make your face to shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. When we commune with God, when we are looking through the scriptures, now on the face of Jesus, with an open and willing heart, we can never stay the same. And in fact, isn't there a verse that says something, by beholding, we are changed? Um, that is so true. That is so true. And now if you would look at a, a particular passage, um, Numbers 6, verses 22 to 26, you'll recognize this course when we, when we read it. Um, numbers 
6, uh, 22 to 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons. Uh, and, of course, this was after they had been inaugurated um, as the, the priests, for the priesthood, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. When we receive the blessing of God, we receive, as it were, the face of Jesus looking at us. And when we look to him, this is what brings the greatest joy to the heart of God, is when we face Jesus. As I have thought about Hebrews chapter 11, which is the story of the faithful ones um, throughout Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, and um, we see these people who were, were counted as, as followers of God. And some of them we wonder, now, why are they in this list? Because we knew they had some major problems. Um, but I see as you read through Hebrews 11 that, yes, they were real people. They had real problems. Some of them crashed and almost burned, um, metaphorically. Uh, But the difference was that when they got back up, by the grace of God, they were still facing God. They were still facing the kingdom of God. They refused to give up, even when uh, they fell and in many cases made tragic mistakes and and sinned against God. But they got up and received forgiveness and repentance. Uh, In Matthew, remember, chapter 18, uh, Jesus said that, be careful to not harm one of these little ones. Because he said, the angels, their angels, always see the face of my father. So apparently children have a real close connection <laughs> with heaven. Um, and, uh, and their angels. And I'm so grateful for the angels of God. Because if it were not for the angels of God, sent to protect us and guide us and and, and keep us facing Jesus, uh, we would be in a world of hurt because the demons we're up against, as we, as JP mentioned in the lesson, we're fighting against principalities and powers, or we're fighting against the powers of darkness, the demonic world. And they are more powerful than we are by ourselves. But thank God, God's angels are more powerful than they are. I would say that the the dumbest demon probably has an IQ of at least 10,000 uh, compared to us. But the good news is the angels of God are even smarter and they're more powerful. Um, and I praise God for their work on our behalf. Um, in, in Acts um, chapter 6, when Stephen, the, the deacon Stephen, was giving his last will and testament, and he was giving his last sermon, It's described there in verse 15 of chapter 6 that as they looked on Stephen, they said it was as they were looking uh, on the face of an angel. And then later in his sermon, Stephen interrupts the sermon because he sees it's being totally rejected. He knows he's going to be a martyr. But he says, I see, you know, the Son of God standing at the right hand 
of the throne. And he's, he's seeing, literally, he's seeing the face of Jesus um, toward him. And, of course, the mob went ballistic and uh, stoned him to death. But you remember what he did just before he died? He prayed. What was his prayer? Father, forgive him, yes. Uh, just as Jesus did. Now, that forgiveness will do no good unless it's received. But, praise God, it was offered as Christ offered it on the cross. In uh, Jeremiah, when, when Jeremiah was called to the ministry to be a prophet, and he was kind of worried about that because he was very young, and so God says, don't be afraid of their faces. You're going to get some dark looks. Prophets usually do. Uh, and uh, I've just been rereading um, the history, early history of our church. There's a five-volume, which is a, is a biography of of Ellen White and, and our whole history of our church by uh, her grandson, Arthur White. And if you haven't read it, it's, it's worth reading. It's, it's amazing uh, what the pioneers went through. And you wonder how in the world did God manage to get us this far with all the challenges they were facing then. Um, and uh, But God tells Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. In Psalms 85, describes mercy and truth have met together, righteousness and peace have kissed. And I believe the particular point at which righteousness and peace met together was at the cross of Jesus Christ. And um, that's, that's when they were beautifully... A, illustrated in such a mighty way. And as many, many people have trouble, you know, thinking about how God can you know, destroy the wicked. And I've known some people, oh, God never destroys anybody. You know, he, I mean, you know, sin will naturally destroy them and they'll just self-destruct. But they say, oh, you know, God can't do that. Uh, how, how could he do that? Uh, in fact, I've run into several people like that. And because uh, they just can't, you know, God is love. How can? Well, we have something called the flood. That wasn't caused by the devil. In fact, we understand he was worried about whether he was going to survive during the flood. Um, and we have Sodom and Gomorrah, and that was no evolutionary accident. Uh, that was a judgment from God. But when we look at how God has dealt with the sin issue we see that everything must be viewed through the prism of the cross of Jesus Christ. As Jesus came to die for us so that everyone could be saved. He's not willing that any perish. He wants everybody to be saved. And no one will be lost because they were a sinner. The ones who were lost will be lost because they rejected Christ's salvation. There were two people in the New Testament who actually got to literally kiss the face of Jesus. You remember who that was? Mary, the mother of Jesus, obviously, when he was a baby, and Judas. What a contrast. What an amazing contrast when you, when you consider. Um, the Judas kiss was, was total treachery and betrayal. And... 
Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, kissing that little face. I know that beautiful song. It says, Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? When you kissed your baby, you kiss the face of God. Such a beautiful song. In the Revelation 6.16, it describes the wicked as praying to the mountains. Didn't want to pray to God. Now they're praying to the mountains. The fallen us and hide us from the face of him who sitteth on the throne. And then in Revelation 22, it says, describing the new earth, the new heaven and new earth, there'll be no more curse. And it says, I will be their God. They shall be my people. And it says, they shall see his face. That is what all of God's people throughout history have looked forward to, is getting to see the face of Jesus. And indeed, there's the text that we began with. For it is God, Second Corinthians 4, 6, the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Have you seen the face of God? Hebrews 11.27 says, By faith we can see him who is invisible. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt, literally tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory. And in John the Baptist, in, in uh, the book of John 1.29, he says, Behold the Lamb. That's the call. That's the invitation throughout all of human history since the Garden of Eden. And the promise given there to the second coming is to behold the Lamb. By beholding, we have the privilege of becoming changed. There's a beautiful song which we'll use in closing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may we always keep the shining, beautiful face of our Savior Jesus Christ in view. May we long to gaze upon his goodness, his glory, his truth, as revealed in the scriptures. And Lord, by your grace and mercy and forgiveness, someday we desire to have that privilege of seeing our Savior truly face to face. In his name we pray, amen.